is brought to you by Audible. Go to bookguys.ca slash audible and get a free book just for signing up for a free trial. This is the Book Guys Show. My name is Paul Alves, and I am joined this week, as always, by Greg Ott. Hola, como estas? Está bien, señor. And uh, señor Jimmy. Yes, sir, Jimmy Goots. Good evening, everyone. How you doing? And uh, Jim the Book Guy Phillips. Yes, once back again for more excitement. There you go. And uh, a little bit of bad news. Uh, Mr. Uh, Chris the Book Guy, Jager, is going to be taking a little bit of a hiatus uh, as he's uh, just switched uh, careers and uh, cities and uh, it's getting a little bit overwhelming for him but uh, he doesn't have time to read so uh, he figures uh, it's kind of an integral part of being in, on a book show right but uh, he will return uh, he's just gonna take a couple a uh, couple weeks off that's too bad it is. takes a long time uh, long. Member. i miss him already are it you using a long new mic sorry are you using a new mic, Paul? You sound uh, really, really good. You've got your uh, no, you know, I've, fly I've been having some issue with the, the new setup here, and uh, I kind of rewired everything, and uh, I'm building, a, as Sir Jimmy said, the, the Starship Enterprise here, and for some reason, I sound really bassy. Like, I've got my bass slider all the way down. I thought it I might have just been me and my new headphones. My World of Warcraft headphones <laughs> finally just pooped out last night. Yeah, you, you know, crap. my uh, my skull candies did too. So I just I'm, I switched back to using the Apple in earbuds. Seems to be working so far. Uh, Sir Jimmy, last week uh, Chris was saying one of us uh, should uh, uh, take a bullet from the for the team. And that uh, was two weeks ago. It was two weeks ago. Because remember, I was I was on ready to go right, last right, week. Right, right, right. Last week was something, the uh, something Super Bowl. audio drama special, and everyone bailed. If if anyone, I thought you would have bailed for the Super Bowl, but everyone else did. All the non uh, football guys. <laughs> I'm not a football fan. I'm a Green Bay fan. Right. Uh, well, you know, we had a, some a listener feedback about the um, about the uh, Super Bowl episode, and uh, a lot of people uh, actually said they liked they enjoyed the audio dramas. So um, uh, they. Uh, like Alan Middleton, who on Twitter said that he loved the audio shows, especially the Sherlock Holmes. So I'm going to dig up some of the old uh, public domain ones and uh, maybe insert them in, in between Book Guys episodes every so often. Um, so back to Sir Jimmy, taking the bullet for the team, and I believe it was... Science Fiction. I believe you read The Hunger Games by Susan Collins. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Um... It was it was actually pretty interesting, pretty interesting. I had, uh, I knew the movie was coming out, and my wife and son both read. They've already read all the books, so I sort of felt left out when they're uh, making references to um, living in District Twelve. So now now I sort of get everything that they're saying. I'm I'm not uh, on the outside. Yeah, I, I joined you on the Hunger Games. I used my Audible credit this month to uh, enjoy that. Uh, right along with you maybe we should give a, a synopsis just to start off um, sure sure it's uh, i guess it's based in the distant future after some sort of giant turmoil that is uh taken over the country and it's not like people are living underground but they have like the whole country segregated into into little colonies and everybody's sort of fenced in and poor and they they're not really allowed to have anything they're uh, they get like rations of food and you know some people just live in an absolute poverty some people have you know little jobs like uh 
the one guy's family's a baker and uh, they have like a blacksmith things are pretty much like kick back into the you know right. the and 18th it goes, century the, the i think there's 12 districts and it gets worse in each district you're in i think it's kind of a, a comparison to the, the way uh, south africa was broken up at one point i believe there was a science fiction movie uh with the alien invasion uh, i believe it was called district, district 9 12. district 9 yes uh, and actually that movie uh, started off as a documentary. Uh, this this filmmaker went and talked to people about how uh, about the people in District Nine, and uh, they were the people. In the, some of the people in the film were actually talking about um, human beings. They were talking about the poor in, in District Nine, and she said it just sounded so much like uh, you know uh, they, like they were these aliens living in District Nine. That uh, that's how the movie came about. And uh, yeah, so it's all broken up. Uh, you have the capital city, which is where um, the capital city is where you know people are living living the life on the hog, you know, high on the hog, and then and all the workers are in uh, separate districts. Yeah, they keep them separated. They're not really even afforded communication. Uh, there's very little information from one district to the other as to the goings on at another district. They they might know well, you know, District Seven or whatever. They that's where they make all the or they grow all the food, and nobody's even allowed to keep the food that they grow. And then you have uh, the people in District Twelve that are just the super poor. And from from what I can understand, it's it's almost like District Twelve is uh, it's based around the Appalachians, which is where I'm from back in West Virginia. So it sort of it's close to home that that that's where all the the poverty is in the book and it's kind of where it is in real life now anyway right so so um once a year there, there was a rebellion in the past and the, no, the whole thing takes uh, it takes place in a far future or not so far future but uh, a near future we'll call it so this is more of a predictive fiction than science fiction and man this microphone really sounds bassy and there's nothing i can do about it <laughs> No, it oh, sounds man, good. You sound good. You sound smooth. <laughs> All right, uh, I literally hey have, I have my bass slider is down completely, and there's nothing I can do about it. Um, yeah, so so there had been a, re- a rebellion at one point, and to punish the poor districts, the, the working class districts, uh, for this rebellion, once a year they choose two people, two children from each district, throw them all in an arena, and make them fight to the death. And that is where the title comes from. It's the Hunger Games. So the, the one survivor from this Hunger Games goes on to get showered with uh, a life of uh, ease and uh, of, of food and wealth. And their district also gets uh, showered with gifts and whatnot. But uh, that, that's where we start the, the, the story. We meet, uh, we meet uh, Katniss, the main the heroine of the movie, of the book, I should say. All books are movies in my head. Um, and uh, she and uh, a, f- a friend are are chosen from their district to be the fighters. And uh, Jimmy, you want to continue from here? I'm kind of losing it here. Well, or- originally uh, Katniss wasn't chosen. Yeah, it was, she wasn't uh, chosen. It was her, her right. younger sister who was the first time she's eligible. Once once the child turned 12, you got like one lot thrown in. So you had like one chance in in thousands of people in your district to be called up to, to fight in the Hunger Games. Well, lo and behold, her, her little sister, her first shot at it, she got thrown in. And apparently there's a rule that says if uh, you want to just say, you know, take me, up after her name was called and said, take right. me instead of her little sister. So, so she kind of bites, yes, yeah, she bites the bullet for, for her little sister and uh, becomes the chosen one. 
Yep, and uh, they come, they drag everybody um, away, like instantly, as soon as, as soon as they determine who the people are. Everyone's loaded onto trains, yeah. and, and they are sent to the capital city on high-speed trains. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, in the capital city, it's strange. They, they keep all these people in this just complete poverty in all these districts, and you go to the capital city, and it's like gleaming white marble, and they have you know roast pig and amazing foods, and everyone is all shiny, and they have all the, the hair scrubbed off their bodies, and they're they're just beautiful, and it's like they have everything and all this technology, and it's just it's concentrated in the capital, and well, it's not it, it's as like you were they saying could, as they, you were saying that I'm looking around here at the Starship Enterprise, uh, and you know I'll bet you the people that like made the Acer laptop and the MacBook and the microphone that I'm sitting in front of. Uh, we're probably uh, living lives that resemble more those of uh, the District uh, 12 people than, uh, you know, than, and we kind of resemble the, the capital. Yes, absolutely. So there is that kind of allegorical thing about how everything is. So everybody gets thrown into the Hunger Games, and the people from all the districts. There's some of the more wealthy districts. Some of the kids are actually brought up with the hopes of getting to fight in it, supposedly. They're, they're trained. Of course, these people are fed better food from the beginning, so they're, they're, they're stronger, they're, they're smarter, they're, they're trained with weapons and whatnot. And uh, the kids from the poor sections, you know, they don't even have the money to have a, even a bow or a knife or anything. So when they bring them to the capital city, everybody goes through a training. They take all the, uh, the kids and they, like I said, they, they scrub them down and they make them look all beautiful. And it's a big presentation. And it's all broadcast on TV. And every, everyone across the country is, is uh, by law, forced to watch it. Right, they have sort to of, watch it. It's sort of a reminder of the capital's power, you know. And like you say, because of the rebellion, you know, every, this is their way of, of saying, hey, you know, we do control what you do. So don't do it again. And... They, people go through all this training, and, and then they, they toss them into an arena that's filled with, with traps, and they actually have some weapons in there. And all these kids have to fight each other to the death until there's one person left. Right, and, and uh, the, the whole thing is kind of like a, it's a very game, not game show, but reality show-like, where it's kind of predetermined. You know, they are, They're coaching the people on what to say, uh, how to act. Uh, and, and they have sponsors, right? So if, if you get sponsored, then, uh, you know, people pay money and then a parachute will get dropped from a hovercraft with a, an item that will help you, right? Like uh, whether it's medicine or food or water or, you know, a knife or a bow. And it's kind of disturbing because, uh, I mean, they're kids, right? I mean, uh, some of them are, are 19, 18, but, uh, you know, there are younger ones in, in the arena as well. So I, I found the whole thing quite disturbing to, to tell, uh, tell you the truth. Um, I can't even imagine it. And, and she does really, uh, Suzanne Collins, the author, gets, really gets into the, the mind of the kids of, of uh, Katniss and uh, what she's thinking. So it, it, you almost could have titled it The Mind Games uh, at one point. Yeah, and there's the one lady, Effie Trinket, her whole job. Uh, there's like a, 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 somebody from the Capitol that goes to each district and their job is to announce who, who is going to be brought to the Hunger Games. And once that comes down, her whole job is sort of like an envoy between the Capitol and these people. And she's teaching them how, you know, here's how you eat. Here's how you present yourself on TV. You know, don't make me look bad. And the, this, this lady here has sort of been stuck with the, the crappy district forever. And she knows she has no chance of, of winning. But right. uh, if, if in the past you 
the winner of the Hunger Games goes back to their original district, and they have a whole separate section of the town where they have built, you know, beautiful homes, and the winner gets to live there, and they're, they're still separate from all the poor people. Um, and in District 12, they've only had one winner in like this, what is it, I don't know if it's 70 or 80 years of Hunger Games, and uh, his name is Hamich, and he's he's just, he's turned into a drunk, and yeah. uh, he's he sits around, he's drunk everywhere. As a matter of fact, they, he falls down on the stage and embarrasses everyone, um, and he's the one who Katniss has to depend on to get her through the games and tell her what to do and give her, you know, tips and, and tricks to survive. And she's like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm totally screwed. But, uh, he actually turns out to be a little more clever than that. Yeah. And you know, um, he, the character of heinous, uh, he, Hamish, Hamish, right. <laughs> heinous. Yeah. I was just thinking, cause he, he's, you know, he's, he's been through the games, so he's done some heinous things. Um, you know, he he had to kill uh, twenty three other children at some point in his life, and that's, you know, uh, gotta affect you. And you know, sure, he's a drunk, and he doesn't he doesn't want to get married. Doesn't he has no interest in a love life? Uh, he kind of uh, becomes kind of a hermit because he knows that if he does fall in love with a woman and uh, does have children, that those children will be put in the lottery to go in these horrible games. Um, I, I, I got to admit, Jimmy, uh, I, I sort of joined in, in on this one. Just uh, I saw it wasn't too long of an audiobook. It was about, what was it, uh, seven hours maybe? Yeah, it's about seven or eight. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I figured, you know, I could probably get that done during the week uh, while at work, whatever. Just put your earbuds on. And uh, I really wasn't expecting to enjoy this uh, this novel as much as I did uh, to the point that I'm now into the, uh, the second one. <laughs> Are you certain your employer is, uh, you know, 100% okay with you listening to books at work. Yeah. <laughs> have, you, have you bothered to ask him at any point in I'm time? I'm pretty sure. He's, he's pretty cool with that. All right. <laughs> oh, can, I, can I ask you guys, because I, I haven't read The Hunger Games, and I had, if I'm honest, I had never even heard of it until the first time I saw the trailer. Uh, but even just watching the trailer and now having heard your guys' description of it, uh, have either of you ever read the book Battle Royale? Uh, no. Or, or seen the movie? I have not. Because oh. the first time I saw the, the the trailer for The Hunger Games, that was what I thought. I thought this was an American remake of Battle Royale. Ah, okay. Well, we'll, take, we'll have to take a look at that. And uh, I'm pretty sure the, uh, the Hunger Games is the first time that they're uh, converting this book into a movie. So it could be a similar plot line. Uh, I mean, throwing children into an arena to fight each other. Well, there was a, a movie where they threw convicts into an arena to fight each other. Sounds like sounds a little Running Man-ish too. Yeah, yeah, there's a, yeah, yeah. There's no, just in, quite a bit of crossover. Yeah, no, Battle Battle Royale is a Japanese novel from uh, ninety eight, ninety nine, something like that, um, about a totalitarian Japan where they uh, every year they randomly choose uh, in the in the book they just kind of randomly choose forty two high school students from around the country. Uh, in the movie, they just pick a single high school class at random. Uh, put them all together on an island, and it's the same kind of last man standing. You know, you have to go kill everyone else. Uh, yeah. Set up. Well, how much of the book do you think we should get into? I mean, uh, I, I, I we've already wanna, spoiled we quite we a bit of it. Yeah. Do you want to just we wrap wanna, it all up? We don't want to spoil it, but uh, I just want to say that at the end, uh, there is. Uh, let's just say that uh, Katniss, Katniss, and and Peta, they. Uh, it gets down to the two of them, and, and something occurs that uh, 
could be viewed as a little bit of a rebellion against the capital city, against the government. And uh, there is, at the end of the book, there is a little bit of a hint that a rebellion could be coming, which is kind of why it intrigued me to go on to the second novel and uh, the second novel being the aftermath of these games and uh, continuing the story on from there. Uh, sure, it takes a little bit of a Romeo and Juliet twist if that had actually worked out. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to put the spoiler alert on that one. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Sir Jimmy, are you, are you going on to the second in the series? Uh, if you are, I am. I'm in, man. All right. <laughs> ah, it was fun. Hunger Games by uh, Susan Collins. Uh Definitely. I might even write a review for the site for this one. And, yeah, this uh, book, the book actually came out in 2008, so it's it's taken, you know, hasn't taken very long by book-to-movie uh, standards to make the jump, but uh, there's been a huge resurgence. If, if you could try to go into a used bookstore and find one right now, it's near impossible. Yeah, no kidding. And that was The Hunger Games by Susan Collins. Yeah, pretty uh, interesting. I am going to go on to the second one, so I'll probably bring that. And not, not the book I, I typically read, but uh, there it is. I enjoyed it. One more here, gentlemen, that I read this week. And I am going to get a new mic next week because this is... Uh, now I sound like Darth Vader. I am your father. Uh, I've got Captain's Blood by William Shatner, which is uh, also a... Science fiction. What could be better than... Uh, an, a book written by William Shatner, read by William Shatner. Come on, it's William Shatner. <laughs> as long as it's read by William Shatner, I'm in. It is read by him. Uh, not only uh, let me start off just by talking about the audiobook before I get into the, what the book's about. Uh, it's read by him. He uh, he obviously does the Captain Kirk parts very very well. Um, it's a it's a Captain Kirk centric book. Of course, William wrote it, so why not? Uh, and it involves a lot of the characters you'd be familiar with in Star Trek and Next Generation and Voyager. And um, and he does a, a lot of the voices very well. And they, they add audio effects. Uh, they add some background effect audio, some explosions and whatnot. <clears throat> so the book starts off uh, and Captain Kirk has married a hybrid lady. Now, this is a famous in Star Trek uh, continuity in the, in the novels. Uh, she's a, a part Klingon, part Romulan, part Vulcan. So she's like this. Uh, she was actually made for military purposes, but uh, it turns out that she's the lady that Captain Kirk falls in love with, uh, and they have a child. So the, the story opens up with uh, Kirk battling his um, five-year-old son to the death uh, in the hologram, you know, in the hologram room, whatever you call it, the hollow deck. Hollow right? deck. Yeah, and now uh, Worf and Bones are there. So right away, not being a big Star Trek nerd, I'm confused because, all right, Bones is 150 years old. Okay, I can get that in the future. People can live that long. All right. And I know not much about Star Trek. But wasn't, wasn't Star Trek the next generation like hundreds of years after Star Trek? Am I lost here? Uh, you're lost. It was okay. only 90 some odd years. Oh, okay, okay. So, in, in fact, uh, Bones was in the very first episode, the very first next generation episode had... Um, yeah, I had some great hair. Leonard McCoy as uh, <laughs> okay. uh, visiting so, the Enterprise. So husband and wife, uh, Commander Riker and Counselor Troy, beam in and uh, tell Kirk that Spock has been killed in a terrorist attack. And uh, him and Bones go to, to Romulus to investigate Spock's death. Um, Captain Picard and uh, Captain Janeway are in this one too. 
So, I'm sorry. I, I, again, not being a Star Trek nerd, I'm confused because he's basically throwing all the characters in, right? So, uh, we soon find out there's a, there's a plot to stop the Romulan people and the Vulcan people getting back together. And as with uh, thousands of other planets, including Earth, uh, the segregation of races quite often ends in civil war or revolution, uh, which is the case here. Uh, the villain is someone from a hundred years in Spock's past, and uh, the plot centers around Captain Kirk's son, who, is, who basically ends up becoming like the, uh, the, the future messiah for the Romulans, you know. So <laughs> this is uh, William Shatner writing, you know, Captain Kirk's son as the, as the, the Jesus figure, and, you know, of course, that makes Captain Kirk... Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Didn't right? Captain Kirk's son <laughs> die in... in uh... The Voyage Home, or the Genesis, the Genesis Project. Which, which one was the one that had Genesis Project? Where I, I Khan? No it was uh, Wrath of Khan. Yeah, maybe. Kirk's well, son died. He was well, on the Captain that, Kirk uh, got around. Medical. He got around a lot, so he probably has a lot of like green kids here and there. Just saying. I don't get it. <laughs> so, uh, spoiler alert here, but it does happen in like the first few pages of the book, uh, or the first you know hour of the audiobook is that uh, Spock's death happens early in the novel. Which really, that's what got me intrigued about this story, and that's why I read it. Uh, and, and very quickly, the gang of Star Trek icons, you know, Kirk, Janeway, Picard, Bones, uh, Scotty, you know, Riker, Troy, all, all those people, Data, everyone, the holographic doctor, uh, get into a heap of trouble, and uh, they try to save the universe itself. You know, it always ends up being, well, it's not just this, it's going to save the universe itself. You know, it's always one of those, you know, far-reaching, uh, you know, things. Uh, this one's definitely, I gotta say, it's for Star Trek fans only. Uh, I really enjoyed it because I'm a William Shatner fan. Uh, but y- without the backstory, and you guys have been helping me out a little bit here through this, uh, I- I've watched just enough Star Trek to appreciate it. If you're not a Star Trek fan, if you haven't watched an episode, don't even bother with Captain's Blood. Uh, but if you if you do or you enjoy uh, William Shatner, uh, it's very, very well done. Uh, I have actually, I'm going to go over here. I'll give you guys a little taste just from the audible sight of uh, William Shatner reading his own book. 3,000 Romulans were waiting to hear his message of peace and reconciliation. But for our people, but what Spock felt or how he looked didn't matter. We have achieved understanding. It's exactly 14 minutes later. Those 3,000 Romulans saw Spock die. Shatner doing a cover of some cake songs, <laughs> reluctantly crouched at the starting line. That, that was just a little taste, but you, you get the point. There's music, there's ex, you know explosions, things happen. Uh, it's it's a lively uh, three-hour audiobook. It's a quickie. You know, it's a uh, not not the kind of book you want to use as a, a paperweight in the wind. You know, it's it's pro- probably a very small novel. But, you know, Shatner's got things to do. He doesn't have time to write you know eleven, twenty-two, sixty-three size uh, books. Just saying. And we are, gentlemen, about halfway here. And uh, this week, uh, I spoke with uh, an, a nice lady named Susan Weinstein. And, and she's uh, written a book called The Anarchist's Girlfriend, which is a, uh, a based on, it's, it's sort of a, a version of uh, Dostoevsky's The Idiot. And uh, it's being released as a serial novel at eatyourserial.com. 
and uh, it just started last Wednesday. So uh, it's, that's eat your s e r i a l dot com, and they release a lot of serialized novels there. So we're going to take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, uh, we'll play the interview with uh, Susan. She'll tell us all about it. Hey, what's the matter for you? You like the zombies? You like the mobsters? Then you're definitely going to like the zombie mob. It's got everything. Zombies, mobsters, zombies. It's got the family. And especially, it's got the zombies. So put in your iTunes to the zombie mob. Order your browser to thezombiemob.blogspot.com. The Zombie Mob, it's an offer you cannot refuse. Susan Weinstein is the author of The Anarchist's Girlfriend, a serialized novel which is now available at eatyourserial.com. That's eatyourserial.com. And she joins us on the phone now from New York City. Hello, Susan. Hello, how are you, Paul? Very well, and you? I'm doing well. We are recording on this fine Super Bowl Sunday. Yes, and it's cool, but it's sunny, so people are really rearing to go. There you go, and I hope that uh, you know when New York wins that it, they don't tear down your city. Oh, I'm sure they will. <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be things scattered all over the streets tomorrow morning when people go to work. Now, now your your story, the anarchist's girlfriend. Uh, it's a book based on Dostoevsky's The Idiot, and uh, Dostoevsky's book was published as a serial in 1868 in a Russian magazine. Um, is that why you chose to release uh, your story in a serialized format as well? Actually, this is news to me. no eat your cereal was actually working on the model at dickens time and i don't even think they realized that dostoevsky released it as a cereal originally okay they're going back to the story form the basic way that people read read and always have been is in chunks in passing so what they're doing is doing cereals because there's a big demand for it and people really do like it they like the stories released that way and it's a great thing so that they put it out there, and they have great editors that work with you, and they have cover designers. And the idea is that it's free right now, and there will be an archive that I think they'll have subscriptions for in the future, and they will make it downloadable into different forms. But they're publishing, going back to the story, and there are a number of people who originally were in publishing. They used Kickstart to fund this this whole business, and it's actually quite wonderful, the people they're publishing. I mean, I'm not just saying me, I'm saying there are a lot of people mm-hmm. they're publishing who are really quite wonderful writers, and all of them have to agree on who goes in, so that there's a commitment. Ah, nice. Uh, now, tell us a bit about the, about the actual story itself, and uh, w- what the parallels are to uh, Dostoevsky's novel. Okay, The Anarchist Girlfriend reimagines Dostoevsky's The Idiot. And the idea is that she is a mystic in the way that Mishkin was. In other words, he is a person that people project their feelings onto, and at the same time, he's a person that operates from some kind of own, his own intuitive inner compass. So I made her a go-go girl dancer in Brooklyn, who at the same time is a clairvoyant who designs clothes of the future. She's a visionary. And she's also an innocent in the way he's his is. And also, the people interact with her in her world. All of them have philosophies. All of them have different philosophies. And their character, which is embodied with these philosophies, becomes a kind of destiny. And it's very similar to the anarchist girlfriend. 
where the anarchist is a person who was thrown out of the IRA because he believed in organic food as a means of peace, and he founded Foods for Vendetta in New York, and he's fairly tortured about not being relevant to what he cares about the most. Um, you have Sandy, who is a parallel opposite, the same way that Dostoevsky had a parallel to Mishkin, who was a person who was all action and plot and planning. And this, in this book, it's Sandy, who's a video verite nihilist who has a power source as a switchboard operator. She works in a hotel as a switchboard operator and has her whole power source there. So there's a whole number of different parallels in that world, and the plot hinges on an event that she is plotting in New York City, and at the same time, the anarchist wants to make a statement. And then the narrator of the story, which I thought of a lot, like how Dostoevsky had his, my narrator is a wise, compassionate, deaf-mute journalist named Wayne who works for a cultish newspaper called The News World. And it's the llama who runs that is a bit like the businessman in, in The Idiot, where he is a existential Buddhist, not on like a kind of like the Mooney paper combined with Est. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so Wayne works for him and is at the time he's a follower and he's looking for truth and eventually he has to kind of come into who he is and pursue it himself. And he's a narrator because he falls in love with the anarchist girlfriend because of a certain kind of purity about her. <laughs> so it's I've taken a certain amount of parallel between the whole idea of taking character and making a destiny and at the same time showing a progression like what is not in what is not inevitable. So I wanted to play with that a lot and I was very obsessed with that book at that period of time. Right, right. Well, when, when, so when exactly did you write it again? Um the book was written in the late 70s in New York. It takes place in 1980. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it was a very unique time in New York City, generally. I mean, it was a it was a period where the Lower East Side art and literary renaissance, or whatever you want to call it, was kind of in it was in force. So most of the people in this book are actually based on real people. And at that time, people would discuss philosophy in bars, and they weren't university kids. <laughs> there were there were people who were very involved in what they were doing quite passionately, and it wasn't just fashion and real estate. <laughs> right. It was a completely different world. So that a lot of what this book is reflecting is that era, which also was similar to a lot of the Enlightenment ideology that was going on in Dostoevsky. Yeah, so it's a parallel book, and at the same time, it's showing an era when New York was kind of the left bank of America. Right. <laughs> which it hasn't been, of course, for a very long time. Right. Not, not for a long time. Now, now how, how many installments will there be uh, before this story is finished? It's actually 16 chapters. Okay. And I think they're running three, um, I think it's like three a week. Three a week. Oh, okay. I mean, it's like they have three chapters because on a Wednesday, I think there's three that run. I'm not sure exactly, but I think that they'll go through all 16 chapters. And it won't take, I think it will take, it's not going to be 16 weeks. I think it's about, probably about eight weeks. Right. Eight weeks. Oh, brilliant. And, uh, and folks can, uh, can read it for free at right. eatyourcereal.com. Right, exactly, and I hope they do, and I hope they post some comments. Absolutely, and we'll post a link on the site. And uh, Susan, if you don't mind, we'd like to maybe have you back on the show again once we've had time to read through some of the chapters. That would be truly great. I would love that. Listen, thank you very much. No, thank you very much, Susan. That's oh. Susan Weinstein, the author of The Anarchist Girlfriend. Uh, you can uh, find it for free. It should be by the time this airs. Uh, you should be able to read it at eatyourserial.com. 
and uh, new installments will re- be released weekly. Yeah, it starts Wednesday. Brilliant. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Susan. Oh, guys. Nice lady. Had a nice conversation with her, and I've been reading her story. It is very interesting. Uh, how you guys doing? You guys still there? You with me? Still here. <laughs> still here. You know, we're done. Mute my mic, so we're all good. Uh, I don't want uh, Greg uh, to, you know, uh, say that I, I never do think geek item of the week because I forget. So this week I'm going to try not to forget by doing it now. The Think Geek Item of the Week from ThinkGeek.com. See, I remembered. Okay, that's good. <laughs> all right, I so... had one two weeks ago. <laughs> All right, we can talk about that as well. Uh, I have one this week, and it and it uh, again it ties in. All right, uh, I, I've got one here that uh, I just just because I've uh, been rearranging everything here and uh, hacking IKEA <laughs> uh, to put together this new desk, and uh, prominently placed my uh, TARDIS USB hub, officially licensed Doctor Who product, uh, and you know now now that I actually think about it. Probably not a good choice if you're doing podcasting because uh, when you plug in, like, say I charge my iPhone now, this is what it sounds like. So, kind of cool, but probably not the quietest USB uh, hub for, uh, you know, for doing a podcast <laughs> live. So, I can't actually plug or unplug things now while the shows are on. But uh, it's pretty cool. There's a little light on top, the flashes. Uh, uh, it's it's it, relatively inexpensive. I can't remember exactly what I paid for it, but uh, I did get it from ThinkGeek.com. Uh, what you got, Greg, from ThinkGeek? Well, as you guys all know, um, I'm training to be. I'm in a pre-apprentice electrician course right now, and we just finished an assignment where we had to uh, we had to wire up an entire house. We had to get all the parts and, and pretend like we were on an island. They were going to dump all the materials, and I said. I'm not getting doorbell wire and doorbells and everything like that. I'm getting the Think Geek USS Enterprise doorbell. It is the electronic door chime, <laughs> door chime for Star Trek. You're kidding. Make, you press the button, it makes the sound. There you go. Okay, you're the Star Trek nerd. Well, it ties in. <laughs> I'm the Doctor Who nerd. <laughs> and that was this week's two. The Think Geek item of the week from thinkgeek.com. Now, all you gotta do is go to bookguys.ca slash thinkgeek and we'll have those items posted for you by the time the podcast hits iTunes. Uh, moving along, gentlemen. Uh, we have a podcast this week. Uh, I know this one got pushed off last week because we were talking about other stuff. Uh, I'm not sure if we talked about stuff you missed in history class. Yeah, I've, I've done that one before. You've done that one before? Yeah, I yeah. love that one. Okay, so uh, we'll skip stuff you did uh, in history class. Uh, oh, no, I didn't do it on this show. I've, I have subscribed to that Oh, okay, okay, so we will talk past. about it. We will talk about it then. Uh, now, these are the, uh, uh, the same people who make uh, the other fine pot- podcasts, such as, Greg. Uh, there's so many of the stuff you should know. Stuff you should know. Stuff you should know. Right. And, uh, stuff they don't want you to know. <laughs> <laughs> stuff you don't want you to know, right? Uh, so, stuff you missed in the history class. They pick one topic and uh, really hit it hard for for that episode. And I have a quick clip here, uh, and this kind of harkens back to when we were talking about uh, the Devil in the White City uh, book that was read by uh, Scott Brick. Uh, and here we go. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and 
welcome to the podcast. I'm Dablina Chakraborty. And I'm Sarah Dowdy. And we're continuing here with our look at H.H. Holmes, the man who's often referred to as America's first serial killer and one of our most requested topics. Now, Holmes became famous for the crimes he committed in Chicago at the end of the 19th century, around the time of the 1893 Chicago World's Fair. But where we are in the story, we don't know him as a notorious serial killer yet. From what we learned in part one of this podcast, he's just a really shady guy. Really shady. Yeah, a con artist, a criminal for sure. We know he's committed insurance fraud with the help of stolen cadavers, and he's been associated with at least one strange disappearance, that of Mrs. Holton, the woman he bought his first Chicago drugstore from. And we should also mention that he's also a deadbeat husband slash dad. He left his first wife and child and is basically estranged from his second wife, Murda, and their daughter together. Where we left off, though, he has, however, constructed this very unusual building with gas jets and trapdoors and hidden passageways, among other things, and he's done so in a secretive manner so that nobody knows the full extent of how creepy this building really is. On the surface, of course, it's just a structure to house his businesses, and it's a business itself as well. It's a hotel for the World's Fair crowd, but the building's odd and rather creepy features, in an understatement, hint at an underlying purpose that's a lot more sinister. So, uh, yeah, that, that's them talking about H.H. H. Holmes, who is the uh, the serial killer in the in the book that... Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the author of uh, Devil in the White City. I probably should Google that at some point. We reviewed that early on in the Paul the Book Guy podcast history. Yes. I think it was like episode six. Wow. Okay, five or a, six. That seems like By so Eric Larson away. Eric Larson, yes. <laughs> oh, and uh, uh, speaking of that, um, uh, Scott Brick, audiobook narrator and good friend of uh, the show, uh, he emailed me uh, yesterday and he said that he's remaking all our uh, audio intros and whatnot that he did for Paul the Book Guy show for the Book Guys. So nice. thank thank you very much. I wanted to thank him publicly. Thank you very much, Mr. Brick. One of Getting my back to that podcast, there was. Um, the one thing, the one thing that I noticed about that podcast is, first off, they go through they go through a lot of hosts. I, I think even in the short time that I was listening to it, they went through two sets of hosts. But that doesn't change the fact that uh, there's a couple things I can say about this. Fantastically well researched. I mean, just phenomenal researched, and then well presented, nice yeah. condensed short podcast. You get like, if it's five minutes long, it, they're talking about you know World War Two. <laughs> right. You know, they, they can condense anything into two and a half, three minutes, and you still have everything you need to write an exam on it. It fantastically well done. I, I loved it. You know, it, it's just a matter of time. It, it's a matter of time. I can't listen to all the podcasts and all the books and everything like that. That's definitely one that I would. Yeah, especially when you start actually time. being on podcasts, you lose time to listen to podcasts. You know, because if I wasn't doing this podcast, I'd probably be uh, doing something at home and listening to a podcast. Yeah, but uh, the <laughs> you know? uh, stuff you should know, that was, um, it's a good podcast to kind of go and grab like five or 10 or 17 yeah, or 20 or, 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 or whatever cherry, you want. Cherry pick uh, topics that you like, right? Because yeah. they have a big back catalog yeah. already. Huge that. back catalog, well uh, uh, well titled so you can just go and, and uh, Google them or catch them on iTunes and yeah very well done I'm glad you brought this one up yeah and uh, Jim the book guy Jim the book guy Phillips uh, are there any podcasts that you listen to on a weekly basis 
Um, well, there's a ton of them, of course. Other than Nildis Brandom. <laughs> NDStories.com. <laughs> uh, um, well, keeping in the, uh, the history theme, although uh, he definitely uh, does not condense, I would recommend Hardcore History. Okay. Hardcore History. Hardcore History. Oh. Dan Carlin. Uh, you know what? Uh, we actually, uh, speaking to Jim here, uh, Jim, uh, I'm passing this on to you, uh, uh, Chris Bauer sent in uh, a link to us uh, for a podcast that's called Well-Told Tales, the Pulp Fiction Podcast, and it's a short format audio. Uh, the podcast no longer exists, but it is archived at archive.org, and uh, I'm going to pass that information along to you because there might be some stories on there that you might want to uh Refeature on uh, Neil Disbrandom. Um, so okay, I'll yeah. take a look at that. You can that. go to archi- archive.org. Uh, again, thank you, Mr. Chris Bauer, sending this to us on, on Twitter. Uh, well Told Tales, just search for the Well Told Tales Pulp Fiction Podcast. Lots of short format audio there for you to peruse. Now, Greg, I think we have some uh, book news. Apparently, there's some Game of Thrones news that... uh, Yeah, but we usually started like this. Let's see. Book news. Uh, You know what I lost? I always have the Game of Thrones uh, background audio. Oh, remember you did that? It didn't... uh, There was a reason you don't do that. It's because it doesn't go through that that filter. It doesn't go through Levelator very well, right? Levelator, that's right. Remember you did that one time and and it just... You were not happy. Don't tell, but I, I don't do any of that Levelator stuff anymore. I only want it to do things is. that make you happy, Paul. <laughs> uh, so Paul, some but, Game of Thrones news? Is that correct? Uh, sure. MTV has uh, released some uh, pictures. If you go to MTV, they have all the pictures of the new characters for Season 2. Nice. Which N is only 56 days away. And counting. And counting. I am three quarters of the way through the second book. I know I said I wouldn't read it, but there you go. <laughs> That's my surprise. I did actually pick up the second book, and I am reading it. I can't put it down. That means I have to start because you're going to start spoiling it. No. I know. You're going to walk by and say, hey, Paul, uh, hey, guess who's alive? (laughs) (laughs) Guess guess who got resurrected? Um, No, my mom and my wife were kind of starting to talk to each other, and then you've got Teresa who's talking about it and, and, you know, Chris, the book guy and everybody's talking about it around me. And I just thought, you know, if I don't do this, then, and what's worse is my wife is onto book three. So I'm talking, she keeps asking me, Oh, where are you? Are you at the part where the two guys do this? I'm like, no, but thank you for, (laughs) (laughs) have they killed so-and-so yet? No, No. (laughs) I'm not there yet, apparently. But uh, anyways, okay, there you go. Game of Thrones. Uh, You can go to MTV. Uh, in, in the U.S., the, can, the Canadian website doesn't have it. If you're Canadian, you have to just keep clicking on, yes, I want to go to the American site. Then you click on to the next picture, and it says, do you want to go to the Canadian site? You say, no, I want to go to the American site. <laughs> Very Sound, frustrating. Sounds and I like know fun. there's probably a workaround if you're a nerd and you want to spoof your IP or something like that. But yeah, Saturday Night Live is going to get its own comic book. Saturday Night Live getting its own comic book? Yeah, I'm was reading up on this. It's actually kind of an interesting little thing. Uh, Blue Water Productions, it's a comic book house out of Vancouver. And basically they have, uh, they do comic books on topical subjects. Okay. Uh, so say, for instance, you wanted a comic book on Susan Collins. 
Right. Okay. So okay. Is these, are these the same people that did the Steve Jobs one? Yes. Same, oh. they, I was just. That's right below Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, Gabriel uh, Giffords, Mitt Romney, Paul uh, Ron Paul. You know, uh, the cast of Doctor Who. All right. I'm in. <laughs> right. So this is an actual comic book based on the the casting. Um, uh, you know, you know. Speaking of, I, I'm I'm just holding in my hands here, Greg. Uh, we don't, I know we, don't, we don't do a video podcast, but uh, uh, something I picked up at the library show last week. Uh, two two books. Uh, one is by John Lang. It's called Lone Hawk: The Story of Air Ace Billy Bishop, and um, the other one is by Willow Dawson, uh, Hyena in Petticoats: The Story of, of Suffragette, Suffragette Nellie McClung, and they're both graphic novels. And uh, they're they're put out by Penguin Books, and they are they're they're black and white. They're very very well illustrated, uh, and both authors did their own illustrations. I met them last week, and I'm actually we're gonna play their interview uh, on the next show. And uh, I just really wanted to read through the books first. They're phenomenal. So they do a whole series of these Canadian um, uh, historical figures, like uh, you know Air Ace Billy Bishop, the, the you know our, our greatest war hero of all time, uh, and they. They put it in a format that's, uh, you know, gra- graphic novel. Can you imagine if we had these when we were uh, kids learning history? I would have learned all about <laughs> Aries Billy Bishop. I think I, I napped through that class. <laughs> we, didn't, we, we didn't learn about Billy Bishop in Canadian history, did we? No. Oh, wait a second. He is Canadian. Probably not. Is yeah, he no, Canadian? he is Canadian, yeah. He is Canadian. Oh, well. That's... There you go. See, if we had a graphic <laughs> novel, we would have learned. <laughs> if... if I... I need a graphic novel for life, but other than that, uh, there's a new Amazing Spider-Man trailer. Looks pretty awesome. I saw that post uh, on the site. Uh, uh, interesting. Thanks for bringing that. I didn't know it was out. Well, the movie's coming out soon, so it only makes sense that they'd have it. The only thing that I, again, being a little critical, and I was asking some of the nerds in my class, I don't remember Spider-Man in the comic books being revealed so early and often. Yeah, you know, it was a you were right. Big yeah. deal. In almost it, every scene it, at the end of that trailer, he's spinning webs without his uh, his mask on. He's sitting in the middle of New York City in the middle of an <laughs> intersection with his mask off. Well, in in the first, actually, in the first uh, comic book, he he does uh, he is unmasked in the subway scene. So, but and he, you're right. He is not doesn't travel around unmasked throughout the series. You know. I've got to see how that goes. I mean, one of the things that superheroes should have is their anonymity, and I think Spider-Man was one of the ones who was able to achieve that fairly well Yeah. in pulp. Uh, I have another book news here. Uh, Just a little quick mention here that uh, the UK magazine publisher Future made a million dollars in something like a month. Uh, 75,000 subscriptions just by putting their app onto the iOS store. So apparently a lot of uh, magazine publishers are uh, finding that the iNewsstand app is uh, really helping them uh, get digital sales of their uh, of their magazines that they weren't getting before. And I think that's all I have. Uh, I think we have to go into some uh, books on film and television. I still got more. Oh, you got more? All right. Are we kind of bleeding between the two anyways you guys want to talk about ender's game absolutely there's some casting news on ender's game i think we were talking before the show uh 
Woody Harrelson, right? Right. We had some opinions on Woody Harrelson being cast. Uh, Viola Davis, who just won uh, a Screen Actors Guild Award and will likely win an Oscar for her role in The Help, um, is going to be playing a military psychologist in the in Ender's Game. I'm I'm excited to see what they do with that one. Uh, now she's black, right? Is, are there black characters in Ender's Game? I haven't read the book. Uh, I don't I don't think I don't think they. Uh, they yeah, they never specify. You know, it's it's never you it's, know. Oh, this person is white. This person is it's, black. It's all. Yeah, it's funny you say that, generic. though, Greg, because uh, um, I'm going to talk about it. I, I just finished reading uh, "Kill Alex Cross" by Patterson, and I've read a few of the Alex Cross novels, and I just figured out that he's black. <laughs> so even with yeah. Morgan Freeman playing, yeah, I was going to say you didn't get that from uh, I, Morgan Freeman. I never watched the the movie. Didn't even know it existed or it, it, that it tied to a Patterson book. So yeah, well, once I once I Googled it and I saw Morgan Freeman, I was like, oh okay, I get it now. Uh, yet to be there. There you go. All right. Uh, let me see. Uh, the the Watchmen are getting going to get prequels. Yeah, I saw that. Um, the graphic novel prequels. I, I don't know. I hope they don't George Lucas this. That's exactly, yeah. That's exactly what I'm thinking. But it looks uh, looks like they're they're handling this with uh, kid gloves and, and with respect. So uh, uh, they're going to be. That's DC. They're going to be releasing the the 30, 34 episodes. Um, four to six episodes for each major character coming this summer. So that's going to be pretty cool. And the last little bit that I wanted to discuss with you guys was um, Barnes & Noble has uh, announced that it won't be selling any of the books that come from the uh, publishing arm of Amazon. Oh, interesting. Yes. The book wars are starting, are they? Is that... <laughs> is that a type of censorship that we should be concerned about? Uh, you know, I, I don't know what to say, Greg. I mean, uh, this is why I don't like DRM, okay? Because uh, I don't like the, the fact that companies control what can go on my device. Because, yeah, as a store, you, you sell whatever you want. That's, sorry, that's the, just the part of living in a free society. You own the store, you don't have to sell Amazon's products if you don't want to. No one forces you to. Now, the only problem is, what if you have a, a Barnes & Noble device that's locked to Barnes & Noble and you want to read one of those books? Now you can't because of DRM. This is why DRM should be taken off every digital product, every piece of media. Uh, I just don't... I hate DRM. <laughs> why? Okay, but if, if Barnes & Noble... It, that's Barnes & Noble's choice. They realize that they're producing a product that's going to be locked down for their... their uh, their content. Why are they limiting their content? Right. I think I think they just don't. Like why the should they not that, be yeah. selling everything that they? Why don't they make two dollars off of the Amazon product? Right. Buy it from Amazon for t for four and sell it for six. Yeah, I don't know. And if make the everybody happy. Uh, business decision. I um, don't think this is a good business decision no. at all, and I think it just shows sour grapes, bad apples. I think now we can go on to. Books on film and television. Uh, I've been waiting for it. Uh, I know our friend Bob Hobbs, good friend of the podcast, has been waiting for it because he watched. Uh, Bob Hobbs came into the shop one day. He came in and he said, You know, I just watched the first movie uh, of Atlas Shrugged. He goes, Where can I get the second one? I'm like, Yeah, they have to make it first. 
but uh, it's been announced. Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand. So they are starting production on part two, and uh, they already are getting the funding for part three. So the this story will be completed, uh, as you know, good or bad as it was, however you you felt. Uh, I think the production values are a bit low myself, and you know, how realistic is it to still include trains in the story? I I don't know, but uh, that said, at least the movie will be uh, finished, or the trilogy of movies. Natalie Portman is going to get. Uh pilot for abc based on the novel scruples nice so she's going to be producing it likely going to be starring in, in at least one um uh, do, 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 do. we've got uh this one's kind of interesting um western carolina university professor ron rash uh, he published a novel called serena titled serena and that's going to uh, be made into a movie as well. So congratulations to him. And Yellow Submarine iBook is is going free. Oh. Yellow Sub Yellow Submarine, of course, the movie in the in the sixties yeah. by the Beatles. Um, they're trying to they're trying to make this modern, and they're going to have an interactive iBook uh, available free on the iPad. Nice. Oh, that my son is actually in uh, the Beatles Club, which they have at his school. He's in fifth grade, and they get together twice a month, and they listen to Beatles music. They talk about the Beatles. They sing songs. They they go into the history of the Beatles and how how they changed music and whatnot. I'm gonna have to uh, get this uh, brought up at the at the next meeting. So maybe the, uh, that'll be introduced to a bunch of kids. There you go. Download that thing free. Nice. Well, they're basically trying to bring the Beatles and books and technology together and make it affordable. I don't Spe see a problem speaking with that. Speaking of, uh, I have my report from audiobooks.com. Uh, I started my trial. I've been using it for about a week, uh, and I am loving it. Uh, I'm going to say the selection again. I'm going to reiterate that the selection is not quite there, but uh, you know this is a, a budding service, and that'll probably get better, so I'm not going to judge them on that but uh, i gotta say that i've gone through uh, a few books on audiobooks.com including uh, the kill alex cross um which i just i just happened to search i said well there's no way this is going to be there and i, I certain there it was because I, I was reading the hardcover and uh, but then you know you can't really uh read a hardcover all day long and all the things you do and walking around you know you get hit run over by a car but uh they have a lot of stuff uh it's streaming still the ios uh, the the scrubbing on the iOS has to be fixed, but uh, other than that, it's great. It goes seamlessly from the the Mac to the to the iPod to the PC, whatever. I, I like I go to work, log in, there it is. Turn on the audiobook, and it works. Pretty good selection too. And I mean, for for the twenty five dollars a month, uh, you really do feel that. Like I feel bad when I'm at like the sixth one. I'm like, it's this like stealing. <laughs> you know, the first one was worth 25 bucks. The next five, they're like free. But you don't actually get them. This is the this is something right. that you don't get to keep them. It's like the a rental. Zune model. You're basically renting them. This is the Zune model. Right. You're renting them. But now uh, for me, if it's a music, that's a different story. But an audio like how many more times in my life am I going to read Kill Alex Cross? Maybe once more. Maybe never. There aren't okay. many books that I reread. 
often enough that I really have to have them. Now, the for owning purpose, the only thing fair I could, enough. But you if paid I wanted to money share a book with product. you, right? But if I wanted to share a book with you, Greg, I couldn't do it anyways if they're all DRM'd anyways. So the only way I can share a book with you is by buying paper. You know what I'm saying? Like I can't share uh, an audible uh, audiobook with you anyways. Well, that's the sharing model. What I'm saying is the ownership. You should, as someone who's purchased something, you yourself have always said that you should have the right to reread it or re-listen to it or yes. lend it out. I understand that we're still yep. cutting out that lending out portion, but you you have. It seems like you, you're compromising by by giving money and not owning something. Yeah. Well, uh, then again, but I do get to listen to quite a few books. For $25 in a month. True enough. I mean, if, if you only read one a month, it's not probably not worth it for you. But most people listen to two or three. And a lot of them are like three hours uh, long. They're not, you know. Uh. Oh. There it is again. Well, we'll be back again next week, folks, uh, with uh, episode uh, whatever it is, 27. I am Paul the Book Guy. Bye, everybody. And bye from Greg. <laughs> I didn't know we had time. Bye, Say bye everybody. To the people. Say bye. Hey, Sir Jimmy Goose, goodbye. Hey, is it that time already? Good night. We'll see you next week, folks. Stay tuned, book readers and book listeners. Paul the Book Guy will be back next week. Same book time, same book channel. <laughs>